before the goodness starts flowing, I want to welcome you to the STR Sisterhood, real life stories from real life women in the short-term rental industry. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, ex-corporate girl who discovered how to replace her six-figure salary through short-term rentals and who now has the pleasure of helping others do the same. On this show, we talk to real women in the short-term rental space about their journeys and how they've managed to turn their STR dreams into reality. If you're an ambitious woman who's looking to build a successful short-term rental business, you are in the right place, sister. Welcome to another episode of the STR Sisterhood. This is Stacey St. John, and... I just want to say, hi, I hope you're having an awesome day today, and I am so grateful to be a part of it. So thank you for inviting me into your home for a few minutes. Now, before we dive into today's discussion, I want to share a really poignant quote, and it says, someone I loved once gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this too was a gift. Those incredibly gorgeous and inspiring words came to us from Pulitzer Prize-winning poet, Mary Oliver. Now, I am so excited for you to meet my good friend, Tony. We are chatting it up about how she is blending her passion for real estate, her passion for tourism, and her passion for relationships. And she is blending all those three things, and she is taking the bourbon trail by storm. And to think just a few years ago, she was a single mom who didn't know how she was going to make ends meet. Ladies, Tony's story is one of triumph, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So let's go ahead and dive in. I am so excited to be sitting down with you today. Just first, I want to say thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. So before we dive into our convo, let's start off and have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. I am Tony Boer. I uh, am a Kentucky real estate agent, specifically along the Bourbon Trail to Mammoth Cave, I am a wife to Andrew and mama to five. (laughs) Girl, first of all, mama to five props to you. Like that is a huge feat in and of itself. I cannot imagine all the coordination you need to do in your household. (laughs) Well, luckily two of them are older, 20 and 18. So they kind of are self-sufficient. My 20 year old has left the house, so she's on her own. So really there's just four. And since we're a blended family, we they come and go. So there you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. And how did you get started in the world of short-term rentals? It was always something that I wanted to pursue. We kind of had it in the back of our mind that we wanted to invest. So it started back in 2019. So relatively, I'm still pretty new, like a lot of people, but my husband got a bonus at his W-2 job. And we did not want to invest that in a 401k or more traditional ways. And so 
we knew it was coming and we were kind of pre-planning ahead of like what we were going to do with that. Or are we going to take a tremendous vacation? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so I was kind of begging him, if you will, to like, let's buy another house and, you know, like see what it does. We knew we wanted to stay local within, you know, two to three hours of where we lived and we could use it as a getaway for our family with kids. And, you know, that way we weren't, you know, five, seven hours, you know, we could take small trips with our kids. So that was kind of our vision. And we would say to each other, you know, if someone else pays our mortgage, that's great. If someone else pays half that mortgage, that's great. We really did not know what to expect. And so we bought a old farmhouse and uh, had to completely gut it. We, we knew we were going to have to do some work to it when we bought it, but it ended up being an extensive renovation and I thought we were going to just go bankrupt. <laughs> I don't suggest that to anyone, but it was a lot and it was a lot more than we initially thought we were going to take on. So anyway, it took us about six months to get the project done. We went live on a Tuesday. We had our first guest on Friday and our family has barely been able to stay in that home uh, since then. So now we just go stay where we want to. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And so when you had the idea of how you wanted to use this bonus to buy a house, had you had any investment properties prior, like long-term rentals or anything like that? Nope. Okay. I had, I have a design background. So previously I had helped other real estate agents for their clients with staging properties and, you know, things like that. So I had kind of dabbled with real estate and we had done our own flips, my husband and I, and renovations with our own homes, primary homes and things like that and flipped homes that we were living in, but not investment properties in the way that we think of them now. Got it. Love it. And so I'm curious, you mentioned you're on the Bourbon Trail. And by the way, if you haven't visited the Bourbon Trail, you got to go. It is so fun. I will tell you, I'm not even a huge bourbon fan, but just the experience is unlike any other. So just a huge shout out for the bourbon trail and Tony. The tours. The tours. That's what I say too. It's not the bourbon. Like I don't sit down at dinner with a glass of bourbon, but the tours are so fun. We had a great time earlier this year together when you came in and, you know, the tours are all different and unique and you could go to 30 different distilleries and not think that any of them felt like the same. So that's what I love about it and the history behind it. And so have you always been located around the bourbon trail? Have you always grown up there? Did you grow up in Kentucky? Talk to us about that. Yep. Born and raised in Louisville. And then in my twenties, I moved just outside of Louisville to an area called Crestwood. I never thought I would leave that area. We lived there for 13 years. I put my kids in school there. One of the best school systems there was. And then just up until this past January, my husband and I decided that we wanted to be a little bit more centrally located because of my business and how I operate that and how I'm serving my clients and our guests, you know, where our properties are, our personal properties and the ones that I manage for my clients post-closing. So we made the decision to move to Shelbyville. And so now that just puts me smack dab in the middle between Louisville and Lexington. And I'm just much more available to get where I'm going. Sure. And have you always been tapped into the tourism market? How I want to talk with you about, you know, how you're kind of blending your real estate business with your passion for the bourbon trail and for tourism. So I want to start off by asking you, have you always 
had that passion? Have you always been plugged into the local tourism market? That's a really good question because a lot of us local people who have grown up here in Kentucky, we pass the bourbon distilleries regularly. It's like passing the Walmart, you know, to us. It's just something that is becoming, you know, it's just natural to us to be around it, to smell it, to see it, you know, to hear about it. So a lot of locals just don't grasp, you know, that there are actually people coming here for this specific reason. When people ask us, you know, what we do, they're like, really? People come here for the distilleries? Like what? So no, the answer to the question is no. Uh, I haven't always been in it. Gosh, I'm 43. The last six or seven years have I really started to just fall in love with where I live and what Kentucky has to offer my clients and my guests. And so when I started my first short-term rental, I fell in love with it. It just, you know, communicating with the guests when they wanted to communicate with me, understanding what was bringing them to the area. I just fell in love with hospitality. And then from there, it transferred me into the tourism world. It kind of just projected me over that way because I wanted to experience those things the way that they were. And so I just started communicating with tourism directors, event planners, uh, bourbon executives, city council members, board of adjustment members. I just went all in and just, you know, I wanted them to know who I was. I wanted them to teach me. I wanted to hear about what's coming, you know, and so a lot of times creating those relationships, again, this whole thing is about creating relationships with people across the board. And I'm a very relationship driven person and overall, and then that's where I struggle because I don't know where to cut the line off at. <laughs> and so I just continue to, in the, in the beginning, I was just constantly reaching out to people to teach me things and, you know, what's, what's happening in our area. And I wanted to be a part of that. So that's what really kind of catapulted, catapulted. me. To, mm -hmm. So how did you find those local, you know, bourbon executives and tourism directors? What did you do to actually locate these people? Uh, one kind of led to the other. So you start communicating. I started small in the town that my husband and I were investing in. By then we had two, maybe three of our properties in one town. Not that we had planned it that way, but it was just the property came up. It was what we wanted. It was what we could afford. It was, you know, it, and it just happened to land all in that same town. So I started small. I started in that town and it just kind of, you know, there was uh, the tourism director at the time. He put me in connections with probably five or six other tourism directors. And then from that, it just kind of relationship hopped, you know, to the bourbon executives. And I started going to the distilleries, putting my face, you know, with my name. Hey, we just talked, you know, two or three days ago on the phone. I really appreciate the time that you've given me and, you know, things like that. So now when they see me come through with, with clients or uh, things like that, they, know who I am. I can just kind of build from that. And, you know, just giving my guests that extra opportunity of, you know, go to this distillery and see so-and-so they'll be able to, you know, kind of give you the extra scoop on, you know, whatever it is that they might have interest in. So again, it goes back to the building, the relationships and, you know, communicating to them what I'm looking for of how I can help my guests and, and clients for that matter. But uh, ultimately helping my clients will help them help their guests. And so it kind of, you know, goes on down the line and just, you know, having the conversations, going to the community events, they have community events for tourism. Some of our, some of our towns have like meetups 
for hosts, for the short-term rental hosts. And so we get together, uh, we help each other. If I have a four-bedroom property or a three-bedroom property and it's booked, I can say, hey, I'm booked that week, but I have Stacy, you know, three miles up the road and she has a property that might be open. You can call her. So we kind of help each other in our business. And now the tourism directors and some of the city council members, when there are because they know I love old houses and they know that my husband and I can bring them back to life. Most of the time they will call us city council members or, you know, tourism directors will say, Hey, there's this house over here on such and such street The it's going to cost the city more to tear it down than it is, you know, maybe that you could pick it up for. So right. we're getting those phone calls now, you know, and how, how we can help. And, and so I'm bridging that uh, with what I do in real estate with the county of how I can help advocate for short-term rentals in a way that makes sense for everyone. I want the neighbors to be happy. I want the community to be happy. How can I be an advocate so everyone is on the yeah. same page and understands it? Because a lot of people are just uneducated about it. They see party houses on the news and someone died and someone fell off a balcony or, you know, whatever. And they hear those stories, but the articles and studies that the Kentucky department for tourism does, I use that heavily and reach out to the Kentucky tourism department because they do studies for me, <laughs> not for me, but you know, for the public just last year, the study showed that the average guest who's coming for the bourbon trail is 42 years old. So it's kind of a more distinguished group of people that were coming. And they also, however, they found this out, the average household income is over a hundred thousand dollars. So 42 years old household income over a hundred thousand that just makes the counties when they have these discussions and these meetings, understand that we're seeing a different sort of crowd coming for the bourbon trail. Sure. That was a lot of information. <laughs> no, that was great. Are you a business owner or manager aiming to scale your property portfolio? Well, we have got something exciting for you. Our friends over at Hostfully put together this brand new free ebook on that very topic. Hostfully is the go-to software that managers and business owners use to run their operations. So what does this have to do with your growth? Well, Hostfully sees how some of the fastest growing short-term rental operators succeed and over the last year have been compiling and distilling these strategies into actionable insights that anyone can implement. So whether you're currently managing a single property or a few, and if you want to scale, Hostfully's free ebook is tailored to your journey. I can't believe they lay it all out like this. Honestly, this is a resource I wish I would have had when I started my STR journey a few years back. So if you're ready to take your property management game to the next level, head over to www.hostfully.com slash sisterhood and download their ebook today. It is totally free. And on top of that, they're offering STR Sisterhood listeners a sweet deal on some of their software to help supercharge your growth. Don't miss out, my friends. Get the ebook and nab the deal while it's live by going to www.hostfully.com slash sisterhood. I want to peel back some of the layers there, because I think this is really important information for folks to know, especially if they're in communities where 
their local city or county officials are not excited about short-term mm -hmm. rentals. I love the idea that you're going to the state and looking at the state's research and utilizing that information to help bring important and needed education to your local community. When you are doing that, are you doing it in a formalized setting, meaning are you presenting at local city council meetings? Are these conversations taking place behind closed doors? Is it just via email? What is what is the logistic of how that all comes to life? I start off really small. So I start off with an email or a phone call, or I start attending uh, board meetings. And so I'm present. They see me in body that I'm there. And I don't just jump in with flashing lights on because I want them to like me first and foremost. And once I feel like I have established a relationship with them kind of on a, not a personal level, but just as a human level and, you know, that I'm here for a purpose, I'm here for, you know, the community and, you know, just we're here for the same reasons. We just need to understand each other and how we can work together. So I really start small and just build up to that. And then, you know, getting to meet with the magistrates and creating those relationships, magistrates in the counties and just getting them together and seeing if I can maybe attend one of your back end meetings. So start small and and then kind of invite yourself invite you know that's what I've done if I can oh you're having a meeting next Tuesday what time I mean like would I be able to come to that or like the board meetings that are open to the public or city council meetings go go to those uh be involved and get into those and you know be a representative you want them to feel like you're a representative across the board and that's, you know, what I feel like I've been working towards and working diligently for, you know, because I don't want uh, the bourbon trail and the counties to become distant or, or to oppose, you know, more visitors. But right now they're really loving it. They're really supporting it. Yes, we do have some counties that are, you know, putting higher regulations and restrictions in place, but they're still making it doable. It's a process. You know, it, it's a process that we have to follow. And, you know, these things are put in place for a reason and they just want to get a hold on it, you know. Uh, so just understanding what they're, what the, you know, the back end is for. Yeah. And I'm curious, in addition to the information from the state and, mm -hmm. you know, the demographics of the tourists that are coming into your local area, what other types of information are you providing to your local officials to help be an advocate for the short-term rental industry? I think data goes a long way. And, you know, the bourbon trail, you know, air DNA and things like that right now, so much of that is really skewed because the bourbon trail is still an emerging market. And so I try to gather as much data as I can provide for, you know, what sort of guests are coming here. They're coming here for weddings. They're, you know, wanting barn weddings. They're wanting places for their families to stay. They're wanting to participate in different things. I mean, like even next year is going to be a huge year. We've got the PGA championship that will be hosted just after Derby. So there's lots of tourism, compression events, uh, horse events, you know, things that don't even have to do with bourbon. Th uh, people think that, you know, we probably have all of the, the drunk drivers and you know, 
<laughs> you know, I had a client ask me that before, you know, like, do, is your all streets just filled with police officers pulling over people with drunk drivers drinking all the bourbon? No. You know, again, it goes back to the reasonable, distinguished people that we feel like we have coming here. You can book a tour uh, for those events and things like that. So, but there's more than just the bourbon. We've got accredited wineries all the way down to Mammoth Cave. Mammoth Cave brings in a three over 3 million visitors a year and that's year round. So, and that number is growing just as much. So providing the county's data of what sorts of people are coming here. And they've, you know, like I said, the Kentucky Department for Tourism is doing their own studies. When you go to a distillery and you pass over your license to show that you're of age, there's a ticker and they're ticking how many visitors each distillery is getting. So I don't have to tell them that they have, they have their own ticker. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. And it's, I mean, it's very obvious just by talking with you that you know your local market like the back of your hand. I'm curious how you utilize that local market knowledge to support your real estate clients as well as your guests. So let's talk about your real estate clients first. I'm assuming that they are primarily looking for investment properties, but talk to us about your your target clientele on the real estate buying side. Yeah. So I'm 99% a buyer's agent, 90 plus percent of them are out of state buyers. And so a lot of times they are already invested in other established markets. So this is truly a new market to them that they've just began to hear the buzz about. They're invested in Gatlinburg. They're invested in Destin, you know, all of the bigger markets they've already dived into and that's what they're familiar with. So uh, a lot of times it's like re-educating people because what people who are traveling from Austin, Texas or Boston, you know, they have this image in their mind of what they're looking for when they come to Kentucky. And a lot of times it's not what you get when you book a place in Destin, you know, that's new and shiny construction, but for here, they want more rustic. They want the old farmhouse with the hardwood floors and the arch doorways and that character and charm that, Destin, Florida properties might not be able to offer them. Not that there's anything wrong with Destin, but you know, it's just a different market and your guests are looking for that kind of Southern, if you will, stay. And so just educating them on what, what kind of purchase for them will do well. They, a lot of times I've got people who say, I want a modern contemporary property that might not do well here. (laughs) So it's probably going to earn some money, but it probably won't be one of the top income producers. So just helping them understand what look, how it looks different. Yeah. And let's take that same local market knowledge. How are you utilizing that to serve your guests in the best way possible? For the guest, I love it when they, you know, send an inquiry before they book and they ask certain questions and they kind of give me the age range of the people who are in their group. And, you know, like for my tavern, I try not to suggest that property for like older people, just because it's on a busier road, backing in and out of that driveway is a little bit more difficult, but my farmhouse is up on the hill. It's on four acres. It just gives that more country kind of an older person would probably appreciate that much more better. So I look at their dates and I say, you know, this property might be a little bit more accommodating to you and your group from what I'm understanding. If you're interested in it, here's that link and, or for any property that I manage 
or own. So just understanding what the purpose is that they're coming for the, in the location too. one, one property might be closer to exactly where they're going. Like they just didn't realize it. They didn't look far enough. They stopped on this particular property and I'm like, Oh, well I have another property that's 15 minutes closer. How about this one? Does it work for you? So just understanding you know, what exactly that they're looking for, where it is that they're going when they're coming here. And I don't want to hound them. I don't want to hover them as a host. If they don't communicate with me, I don't, I'm not saying, Hey, you know, how are you? What are you doing? Right. <laughs> and I also don't have cameras on my properties. None of them really don't do cameras. No. And I'm assuming that has worked out. Okay. For you so far, knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood. Yes, it has. <laughs> It has. And again, I, I put all of the credit back to the age of the guests that we're having. We don't see the 20 something year olds, very few and far between, unless they're coming with their parents. We don't see the 20 something year olds that are coming through and that are more like party driven. So maybe that's, and I, and I feel like, you know, if I'm honest, if I did have that kind of market, I don't think I would love what I do as much as I do. If I sure. had to deal with the party crowd and someone trashing my place every weekend or puking on my couch, you know, I just don't think I would love what I do as much as I do. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So I also, I want to talk with you about a couple of other ancillary topics. Okay. The first one is time management because you obviously lead a very busy life. You have a thriving real estate business. You have five kids. You manage all of your real estate transactions. You're a host and you also co-host for other people and you're involved with the local tourism community. So I am tired just even <laughs> reading off that list. Okay. I'm curious about how you manage your time and what strategies you have found to be effective for you personally. If my husband were in the room, he would say that I suck <laughs> at that. And I, and I probably do because I, I struggle with time management and, and, and for me personally, I love what I do. So it doesn't feel like work. So whether I'm helping a client, helping a guest, co-hosting, doing a property check, uh, delivering stock goods for a property, whether it's for me or a client, uh, writing a contract or, you know, whatever it is, I don't feel like I'm working. And that sucks for my family because they're like, mom, put your phone down, mom, get off your laptop. You know? So I try, I, the past month or two, I have really been focusing more on putting my phone away at dinner, doing more, uh, time management, focused tasks, putting things in place, boundaries, especially it's hard because a lot of my clients are in different time zones. So when it's 11 PM at night for me, it's not 11 PM at night for them. So I just, you know, I have to, uh, put things in place, you know, for me, it's just as a person and, you know, being respectful to my family and I am working on, on that better. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally know what you mean. I was just saying, uh, actually inside of our achievers club, which is a, my elite mastermind, I was actually having this discussion about the fact that it is very difficult for me to unplug because I love what I do. And it also doesn't feel like work. And yet my husband's like, Hey, remember me? <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, I remember you. Yes. But, you know, again, within the course of a day, 
I tackle different things, but I absolutely mm -hmm. love what I'm doing. So I have to remind myself, okay, wait a minute, time out. Yeah. It's time to go and spend quality time with our, with my family now, you know, so totally, <laughs> totally get it. I'm curious for me, I really, really have found that time blocking has been incredibly helpful having targeted focused action on specific tasks mm -hmm. that can be difficult to do when it comes to co-hosting or, you know, answering guests or, you know, responding to a real estate client. But I'm curious if you've ever tried time blocking and if you like it at all. I haven't, uh, specifically. No, mm -hmm. I, I try to do it like manually time mm -hmm. blocking, but not specifically. Right. Right. And Girl. we try to do date night, uh, for my husband and I, my husband just left his W2 job about seven or eight weeks ago. And so he's focused more on, you know, uh, built for bourbon, his construction company now, which has been very helpful to many of my clients, uh, post-closing if they want to do a bathroom renovation or, you know, certain things. So, so now we're kind of working a little bit more together and that's been interesting and we'll see where that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What a great name, by the way, built Thank for you. urban. Love it. All right. The, the next ancillary topic I want to ask you about is pivoting. I know that you mentioned that, you know, you have had to pivot multiple times because you are, always wanting to stay on top of what is trending and, and current with either travel or real estate. When I talk with people, a lot of times they look at pivoting as they're giving up or they look at pivoting their business as they've failed and now they have to go try something new. I'm curious when you have had to pivot your business how your mindset has been around that, number one. And number two, how easy or difficult it's been for you to make major shifts in your business. Oh, gosh, that's a great question. I think if it's related to like learning more about tourism here uh, or real estate here, taking classes uh, just learning more about those things. I'm totally open to, and I embrace those things. I am a creature of habit, so I don't like change. Um, I am now a solo agent with Keller Williams. I'm not on a team. And that has been since August of this year. And I have embraced that initially. The first couple of weeks were a little bit different because since I've been an agent uh, and since 2019, I have been on a team and had supports of what that looks like. And so now uh, just embracing that change and working through that, I've got a lot of things that are going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks that I'll be announcing that I've been working on diligently. And I'm really excited about those things that are going to be coming. So uh, I can't give too much away right well, now. So we're going to be the first to know. Hello. That's I'll call you after. <laughs> So yeah, lots of really cool, positive things. Uh, are coming. And I would have never, I would have never thought that I could do so much without being on a team. Yeah. So I'm really excited. So fun. And when you have made difficult decisions to, to pivot or change, were you looking to the future as, okay, this is exciting? Or did you feel like 
closing that door behind you was difficult. Does that make sense? No, in the no. way that I'm asking. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, during the day when I'm busy and I've got things going, you know how it is with your anxiety, it's up and down and you're thinking like, oh, I can just do this and I can do that. And then you wake up at 3am and you're like, holy crap, what did I just do? <laughs> so I have those moments. I'm, I'm human. And so I think that, but I also have to, you know, look at what my goals are and where I want to go. Do I want to grind for the next 15 years? No, I don't. You know, I, I'm thinking, you know, where am I going to be in five years? Where am I going to be in 10 years? Where are my kids going to be in five years or 10 years? Because I'm hoping someone brings me a grandbaby. And <laughs> if there's a grandbaby, I'm telling y'all bye. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I also want, you know, my last marriage was abusive and, you know, surviving different things. And I think that, you know, just as a woman who got started later in her life in a career, you know, I felt like I have all this time to make up for. And, you know, surviving an abusive marriage, getting remarried and blending a family, telling my story as a testimony to other women, I would love to know. And I have had some people, you know, reach out to me. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for telling, you know, things that people don't talk about. And, you know, it all looks like rainbows and lollipops from the outside. But we started somewhere. We started with one property, 2019. And have grown that in a very short period of time. And gosh, 2014, 2015, I was laying in my driveway at the end of a marriage, not knowing what I was going to do with three kids inside the house. So wow. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. So I just want to pause. And <laughs> first of all, I just want to encourage any listener, if you are in a place right now where you don't know what your future looks like, or you're going through difficult times in your marriage, let Tony's story be a source of inspiration for you. Number two, if you are in any sort of abusive relationship, uh, Tony, I've never experienced that, but I'm curious from my end, I would say if, if someone is listening and is in any sort of an abusive relationship, Call me. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> okay. I was going to say my advice to be would be, and again, I'm saying this from an outsider, get help right now. Yes. I had no one. I had, I had no family I could turn to. I didn't tell my mom or my Nana that I was getting a divorce until 10 days before the divorce was final. And I didn't know mm. what I was going to do or where I was going to go. I had three babies at the time and I had, I didn't have a job. I, I had zero, I had nothing. So and then post that as a single mom for four years before I met my husband now, because I said that if I ever got married again, that person would have to be dang near perfect. <laughs> and, you know, I dated a little bit off and on and, and tried to do that. But uh, my kids, you know, and but when I met my husband now, I had just bought a house all by myself. It was a tiny house, not, not literally a tiny house, but it was just a three bedroom, one bathroom, thousand square foot house. But it was the only time I had bought a house by myself without a man. And it was perfect for me and my kids. And so, and then God had a funny plan. Just uh, three weeks later, I met my husband. And then six months later, we sold that house because we got married. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it happens. And, you know, life is funny, but God has a plan. I have had to put a lot of faith in God and knowing that he has a plan for me. And even when times get tough, it's for a reason. It's, you know, just because I have what I have now that I've worked really hard for doesn't mean that there's still not trials going on that we don't share everything, obviously, but, you know, learning, 
you know, what those trials and triumphs are for and just making, you know, what the best, yeah, making the best that you can. And I'm a huge believer and it sounds like you might be in yes. the, in the same mindset, but the power of prayer is incredible. And, you know, I always, it's so funny. I always pray just out loud. Like I'm just having a conversation with God. I'm sure people around me are like, who is this crazy, crazy lady? (laughs) Um, Yes. But I really honestly believe that when we, and again, I know this isn't a, a, a podcast about faith, but I really Uh, just want to take a moment and also say, if you don't have a relationship with God, just start talking to him. Mm -hmm. That's a way to get started and just share what you're feeling and maybe ask for his help. And I do it in the car all the time, you know, I'm by myself and even, or if I'm with my kids and I see a teaching opportunity with them, I try to just push that a little bit in with them, but in the car by myself, I will argue with God. He will give me all the signs (laughs) I need and I'm like, I don't want to do that right now. I'm not there yet. Why are you pushing? And he'll give me signs, 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 you know, and I'm like, I don't like you right now, <laughs> you know, but, you know, and then finally I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it. God, I hear you. I hear you. I know that you, mm-hmm. and then it's, you know, moving forward from there. And it's, it's just part of the plan and mm-hmm. trusting, trusting that plan and believing that there's reason behind it. And I'm so thankful uh, for all of, I'm, th- I'm thankful for the abusive marriage that I had because it taught me who I, it, it, it changed me, but it also taught me a lot of things and mm-hmm. it, it, it made me stronger in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. not that I would want anyone to go through that, but I feel like it, it is a part of my drive because I've had nothing when I was a single mom and had my first house, every single dollar that I made working at a car dealership mattered to me. I I had like a $75 a week grocery budget, $75 to feed me and three kids. And things have changed. And it's because of (laughs) hard work and perseverance and faith. Absolutely. Faith. A thousand percent. Oh, Tony, what a great (laughs) conversation. No, don't be sorry. I freaking love it. I'm, I'm really hopeful that you're talking about this with us today is going to help someone who's listening. So I think that's one of the the most rewarding things for me is just having a platform that I can be a conduit of information and help you share your story with someone that it can help. So, yeah, I had heard a a saying not that long ago from Zig Ziglar that your, oh gosh, let me get it right. Your attitude, not your altitude will determine your altitude. Okay. All right. I might need a second (laughs) cup of coffee to figure that one out. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) And I love that because when I'm in a happy place or, you know, even if I'm frustrated, when I take some deep breaths and, you know, get my attitude in perspective, Mm -hmm. I realize that that will be what changes my altitude Mm -hmm. and and turning around to help the next person. Yep. Because I've had so many people help me and, you know, being transparent with my clients as much or as little as they want to ask me questions. I'm an open book. You know, if you've, and I tell people all the time, if you've heard something about me, call me, ask me, I'll, I'll tell you what happened, you know, or, or my part of whatever, right. <laughs> you know, so I'm transparent. I'm an open book. And, and I think that a lot of people 
appreciate that about me. I will show you a house in my flip-flops or in my house shoes, or <laughs> I don't show up in stiletto heels. So, and I've had a lot of people, I'm sorry, but you're, you're freaking adorable in your flip-flops and your house shoes. Okay. So let's just talk about that for a hot minute. Okay. You're adorable. Thank you. And I love that you do that because you're real to your clients and I'm sure they appreciate that. Yeah. They've, they've said that often, uh, and they appreciate that. So it's just me. I'm just me. I'll show up in a ball hat. A lot of my reels and whatnot, I've got a ball hat on. So <laughs> I love maybe it. by the end of today, I'll have my ball hat on. So. <laughs> okay. I want to move yeah. to what I call the lightning round. And Ooh. I'm going to ask you to answer with the very first thing that comes to mind. The question should be easy. First question, where is your favorite place to vacation? The beach, uh, Sarasota, Bradenton Beach area. Uh, you know what? I love the beach and I've never been to that area. It's so amazing. I'm going to have to visit. Yes. Cool. Let's go together. Okay. <laughs> that would be fun. I would love that. All right. Next question. What is one place you've never been that you want to visit? Europe. Ooh, any specific spot in Europe? Oh, gosh. I say that when I get old, I want to like go on like a month long tour of, of England and Italy, Spain. I just want to like spend a week or two in all of those places and just, you know, see where my heritage came from and eat the food and the people and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, go, go, go hang out with the Royals. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Charles. Watch yeah. out for Tony. She's coming. <laughs> Some tea and crumpet. <laughs> Would you like a spot of tea? <laughs> there you go. Ooh, look at that accent. I love it. Oh, my goodness. All right. Now, what is one thing you know now that you wished you knew when you were starting out in the world of short-term rentals? Oh, gosh. Not to worry about what other people are doing. You know, not to try to keep up with the Joneses. And not to get, not to feel like you're getting hit in the kneecaps because you see so many other people with so much more than you. One step in front of the other is all you got to do. You get one step in front of the other, that's progress. And keep doing that and you're going to make more and more progress as you go. You're not taking steps backwards, sister. So just keep plugging away and ask questions. You know, don't think that any question, I wish that I would have asked more questions and had some mentors along the way in certain areas and built those friendships. I think that friendship is so important because that's where you can really get in depth with people of asking those questions. And again, it goes back to what people don't talk about. But if you ask questions and you build those relationships, you're going to learn that the people who started or, or who you think are at the top, they started somewhere. They started Amen. at the bottom. Amen. I started with one little teeny, con well, actually I bought two condos at the same time, but I mean, if I look back just a few short years ago, you know, it is amazing to, to think about the progress, but also I was in the same boat you were, and you were in the same boat, someone else, we all right. started yeah. with just our first property, everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And your first property doesn't have to make 150 grand a year. Get that out of your head. Get Amen. it out of your head. Stop it right now. <laughs> Amen. It and starts you, somewhere. 
Okay, yes, let's, okay, let's talk about that. Let's get on a soapbox really quick. But if you are listening to people that tell you you need to buy, you know, luxury million, multi-million dollar properties, my friends, I'm here to tell you, you can if you want, but that is not required to be successful. It's not. My first, our first property was 200,000 and we, we bought it for 200,000. We put $60,000 into it in the renovation and it's worth probably close to 500,000 now. And that was just from 2019 to now. Not that every property is going to significantly appreciate like that, but even I'll tell you my best one really quick is my tavern. We bought that place for $89,000, 89,000. No one wanted that place. It, and it was a tavern back in the 1800s. The really cool. (laughs) The, the listing agent said, Tony, don't buy this house. You're going to commit financial suicide. The roof leaks, the, this, the, that, you know, I don't want to watch you commit financial suicide. And I was like, shh, I got, you know, and we put 40,000 into that property. So bought it for 89. We put 40 into it and it's probably worth around 300 now. So, and then it makes almost a hundred, it makes like 95,000. So, and I'm in it for, you know, nothing. yeah. And, but people just don't, and it's okay if you don't have construction skills and you need to buy more of a turnkey place. And, you know, that that's another option. Mm-hmm. Obviously you just have to be prepared to spend a little bit more to buy a turnkey property, but the bourbon trail has very affordable places, much more affordable than many other markets. (laughs) Love it, girl. Love it. Love it. Okay. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh my Stacy. Can I call you tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Any advice that your mom or your dad ever gave you that has stuck with you through the years? Well, those that know me know that my Nana raised me, not my mom, (laughs) but I think, you know, I've had several people, you know, tell me not to give up, not to get affected by the negative or, you know, if, you know, some people don't like you, you know, not to get caught up in things like that. Uh, you got to keep, I have to stay focused on my goal. And I can, if I continue to focus on, you know, what the internet says or, you know, get distracted. Oh, squirrel. Mm-hmm. I lose track of my goals and my focus of myself and helping my clients. And my clients are, a lot of them have become really close friends to me and huge supporters of me. And, and I'm more than thankful for who those people are. So I think just not giving up, not getting sidetracked. And I don't know who told me that, but it's just, <laughs> it's, it's been a constant from, mm-hmm so many sources around mm-hmm. me that I have been able to surround myself with. And, and so just not giving up, not, uh, not getting distracted. Love it. Love it. All right. Final question. Okay. What's one thing and or person that you're grateful for today? I'm grateful for my Nana because she raised me. And I think that a lot of my stubbornness and strong will I got from her. Uh, but I also, think that there's like an umbrella over just us women who I'm grateful for and how we can just come together. We embrace each other. We're, we're much more embracing than men. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, we're much more supportive than, you know, and and a lot of this industry is still a lot of men. And so I think that just umbrellaing that over 
us women coming together to help each other. And I, I don't know if you saw it or if you know her. Do you know Lawrence Briggs? I do not. I don't believe. I just met her in Austin, Texas, when I was there for the summit. She is an incredible human being. But she posted this thing on Facebook. I think it was yesterday that she has gone from an EBT card holder to a whatever black card card holder. I don't know what it was that she said, but it was a beautiful post about she used to have an EBT card and now she's succeeding in what she's doing. And I just think that, you know, stories like that are just beautiful and amazing and sharing that story. No one, I would have never known she used to be, have an EBT card. Right. right. <laughs> so it goes back to sharing your story because there's someone else who was we there or is there. And yep. Turning around and putting your hand out for the next person behind you. Oh. And we don't have to be mean to each other, you know, in real estate, there's a lot of cutthroat real estate agents in this industry and they're going to be as hateful to the other side as, as they are. And I just don't, I don't personally believe in that. I think that, you know, you can get the transaction done the way that you want it to with a carrot versus beating them with a stick mm -hmm. and, um, Amen. and building those close relationships locally here in town, you know, that I want to be an agent that another agent wants to work with mm -hmm. and knows that I will do my best for my client, but I'm also, on the other side, you know, want this transaction to be beneficial to everyone. So love that. Tony, you are such a delight. I just, I want to congratulate you on all your success. It is so fun to watch. I, I, I follow you on social media. Okay. So I <laughs> thank you all your fun posts. And I just, I'm so excited for you and the places that you're going and just congratulations. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I appreciate your friendship. Now, before you go, I want to give a shout out to a few of the amazing ladies inside the Female Short-Term Rental Investors Facebook group, the number one Facebook group for women in the short-term rental space. Just two hours ago, as of the time of this recording, Bridget Young posted, Aside from professional photos, website, and being a part of Airbnb and Verbo, what would be your number one tip for success in having a full short-term rental calendar that you would share with your fellow STR owners? And Kate Stormer chimed in with the very first comment alongside 10 other ladies. Kate says, know your niche and speak directly to them in your listing and not every market has demand enough for a full calendar. Keep realistic expectations. What great words of advice, Kate. Thank you for sharing those. And with that, I hope you have an amazing week. And I will look forward to seeing you very soon. Ladies, I also want to encourage you to mark your calendar for January 23rd through the 25th, 2024. Tickets are now on sale for the STR Virtual Summit for Women, and I can guarantee you do not want to miss out on that epic three days. So go to strvirtualsummit.com and grab your tickets. All right, that's it, my friend. Have an awesome week. Hey, sister. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I wanted to let you know about a free resource my team is providing, the STR Success Blueprint Strategy Session. 
If you're looking to take your STR business to the next level, or heck, even just get it started, this free one-on-one is something you won't want to miss. You'll discover new tools for your STR business and outline an action plan that will help you achieve your goals and reverse engineer your STR success. This session is your chance to get the help you need to succeed. Schedule your free STR Success Blueprint Strategy Session right now by visiting stacystjohn.com backslash success.